0: Modern Bible Versions by Rev. David Inglesma Preface It is the custom of the Men's Society of the South Holland Protestant Reformed Church to sponsor a public lecture in the spring and fall of each year on some Bible theme or matter related to the Christian life. The following is the winter 1975 lecture, which the Evangelism Committee of the above-named Church has kindly consented to publish in pamphlet form. The purpose of this pamphlet is not intellectual, that is, To merely impart information. As he reads, we are sure the reader will notice, from the moving and impelling thrust of the language, that this lecture concerns a matter that presses upon our heart. This immediately takes the pamphlet out of the area of intellectual and places it in the realm of the spiritual. Nothing but love for the truth, love for the church, and love for God's people moves us to speak and write as herein recorded. Our appeal is to the sanctified consciences of the Lord's people and to the test of truth as laid down for us by the holy prophets and apostles in the sacred scriptures. Additional copies may be obtained by reaching out to The Evangelism Committee, South Holland Protestant Reformed Church, 16511 South Park Avenue, South Holland, Illinois, 60473. Phone number 333-1314, area code 312. There is... At the present time, a proliferation of new translations, revisions, and paraphrases of the Bible. One after another, new versions of the Bible pour off the presses, so that it becomes difficult to keep up with them. It has not always been so. In 1611, the King James Version appeared. A translation of the Bible into English by theologians and ministers in England, which is known as the Authorized Version. For over 250 years, it was, for all practical purposes, the only Bible in the English language. During the years 1881 to 1885, the King James Version was revised in England, and this revision, after some changes were made for the American readers, became the American Standard Version, published in 1901. In 1937, the National Council of Churches authorized a thorough revision of the 1901 Version, and they published the Revised Standard Version in 1951. This proved to be a popular Bible. In the last few years, many English versions have come up on the market the Jerusalem Bible, 1966, the New English Bible, 1970, the Living Bible, 1971, and very recently, the New International Version, to name only a few. The justification for all these new versions is the alleged weakness of the King James Bible. The King James Version is criticized as containing many serious errors as not based on the best manuscripts of Scripture, especially as regards to the New Testament and as being unclear in its language. Due to the development of the English language, it is charged. Modern readers can no longer understand the King James Version. It fails to communicate the word to modern readers. The preface of the Revised Standard Version is representative of this criticism. It states, The King James Version has great defects which call for revision of the English translation. One of these defects is that the King James Version of the New Testament was based upon a Greek text that was marred by mistakes containing the accumulated errors of 14 centuries of manuscript copying. We now possess many more ancient manuscripts of the New Testament and are far better equipped to seek to recover the original wording of the Greek text. In addition, a major reason for revising the King James Version, which is valid for both the Old Testament and the New Testament, is the change since 1611 in English usage. Many forms of expression have become archaic. Other words are obsolete and no longer understood by the common reader. The greatest problem, however, is presented by the English words which are still in constant use but now convey a different meaning from that which they had in 1611 and in the King James Version. The modern versions make the claim that they will give the word in a clear, up-to-date manner. If the King James Version were the Bible originally inspired by God, the so-called Autographa, there would be no problem with the modern versions. In this case, we would simply condemn them as deviations and demand the men stick with the version inspired by God. But this is not what the King James Version is. It is a translation by men in the early 1600s of certain documents called manuscripts that have come down to us in the original languages of Scripture, Hebrew and Greek. The King James Version is not a perfect translation. It is to be regretted that the translators did not consistently render the outstanding name of God in the Old Testament as Jehovah, but instead gave it as Lord. There is archaic language in the King James Version, e.g., wattest for know, let for restrain, conversation for conduct, take no thought for to be anxious, etc. It is conceivable that in time, the English language changes to such an extent that 17th-century English becomes unintelligible, and a new translation is not only permissible but even demanded. God's people must have a Bible in their own language. This was a vital concern of the Reformation, Luther translated the Bible into German. Tyndale translated it into English. The Synod of Dort saw to it that the Bible was translated into Dutch. If we were stuck with a translation in the English of Chaucer, a new translation would be required. We are not simply against change. This would be a blind hideabout traditionalism, neither defensible nor healthy. Think of the necessity from some years back of changing from Dutch to English in the worship services. Some fiercely opposed this change, but we wisely made it. No, we did not simply oppose change, but we do ask, is the change good? This is the question regarding the modern Bibles. Are they a blessing or a curse? To be a good, usable version, a Bible must have three qualities. First, it must be a translation that is thoroughly faithful to the Word of God. It must be faithful to all the words that God inspired as they have come down in the Hebrew and Greek manuscripts, i.e., It must be the very Word of God from beginning to end. Since all Scripture is inspired of God, an inspiration that extends to the very words, verbal inspiration, see 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 17, the translation must be faithful with all faithfulness that extends to the very words. This does not demand a word-for-word translation, but it does mean that where the Spirit has seed as of one, the translation must not have seeds as of many, and that where the Spirit has the word became flesh, the translation must not put, Christ became flesh. This characteristic is fundamental. Whatever lacks faithfulness is worthless, in fact, a threat. For a book purporting to be the Bible, the word of God is not the word of God, but a word of man. Secondly, a good version must be clear. It must be clear to the common man. Every believer, though he may be a youth behind a plow, must be able to read and understand the particular version of Scripture. The great translator Tyndale put it this way, If God spare my life, ere many years, I will cause a boy that driveth the plow, shall know more of the Scriptures than thou dost. Clarity is an inherent quality of God's Scripture. The New Testament, as is well known, was written in the Greek of the common people, not the Greek of the universities. This is also a basic requirement of a Bible version, hardly inferior to the prerequisite of faithfulness. Thirdly, a version should have a good style, a pleasing, smooth-flowing, readable style. The style should also be dignified. There must be a dignity about the version. It is God's word, after all, the word of the majestic, holy, glorious God. This condemns the slangy, vulgar, hip-talk and jive of some modern versions, which, although promoted as the language of the people, is not the language of the people, but the language of a certain, limited, obnoxious segment of the people. It is certainly not the language of God, and this is what the Bible is. In the light of these requirements, the modern Bible versions are seen to be a curse, not a blessing for the church. They are doing incalculable harm and threaten to do still more harm in the future. I hasten to add that this does not mean that we may not have them, and use them along with the King James Version, always checking them against the original or a reliable English translation, such as the King James Version. I have many versions and use them, even the ones that anger me the most, and that I can use only to point out its errors. The Living Bible. But I have reference to the modern versions as replacements for the King James Version, and as Bibles that are used regularly at home, school, and church. They fail the test of the first fundamental requirement, faithfulness to the inspired word. Failing in this, they also fail the second test, clarity. They do not clearly give the reader the very word of God. They either corrupt or hide important doctrines of Holy Scripture, creation, the Trinity, the deity of Jesus, total depravity, predestination, and others. I will show you this a little later. There is a reason for this. The explanation is the apostasy of the Protestant churches since the days of the King James Version. All of the modern versions have appeared after the 1800s, the age of unbelief regarding the doctrine of the infallible inspiration of Scripture. Originating in Germany, this unbelief, known as higher criticism, spread throughout the world. Since it was unbelief regarding the fundamental doctrine of the inspiration of Holy Scripture, really, the denial of Scripture as the Word of God, it extended to all the doctrines of the Christian religion. Creation was doubted, the virgin birth was questioned, Total depravity through the transgression of the real first parent was denied. Nothing taught in the Bible was believed any longer. The theologians and ministers who translate the Bible are no longer strong in the Lord and faithful. Their unbelief becomes evident in their translation. It must, whether the erroneous translations are deliberate or not, and I am convinced that much is deliberate corruption of the word. The spiritual weakness of the modern Protestant church is necessarily reflected in their versions of the Bible. Men have helped translate the Holy Scripture who personally deny the doctrine of inspiration, the doctrine of creation, the doctrine of the fall, the doctrine of the Trinity, and the like. It takes a strong church and believing men to translate the Bible, and our age does not abound with such. It is not enough to have expert knowledge of the Hebrew and Greek. This is not even the main qualification of a translator, but one must have a childlike faith that the Bible is the Word of God and utter dependence upon Scripture as the foundation of the Church, and such a reverence for it, that one trembles at the Word. Such men were Tyndale, Luther, the King James men, and the Reformed theologians and preachers of Dort. Where are they today? The presence of bad translations in the Church and their use by people is a serious matter. People do not take the threat of bad versions seriously enough, and consistories allow them in the pews. The seriousness is simply this that the Bible is the basis of everything for Protestantism. Scripture alone is our confession. It is different for Rome. Their authority is the Church itself, expressing itself through the Pope. Their authority is the Church, I- Their authority is the church itself, expressing itself through the Pope. Whether there are Bibles or not is not vital for Rome, but for the Church of Jesus Christ, for the Reformed Church, Scripture is the sole basis of doctrine and life the foundation of the church itself since scripture has this position the bible that is in use in a church will affect and mold every aspect of the faith and life of the church and every aspect of the faith and life of the members of the church if the bible version is a bad one it will gradually overhaul everything in th- if the bible version is a bad one it will gradually overhaul everything for the worse There is no more effective, no more certain, no more thorough method for a church to commit spiritual suicide than to bring in a bad Bible and let it have its way in the congregation. Significant doctrines of the Christian faith have been established on the basis of exact readings of certain texts. If these texts are changed in the version used by the people, the doctrines are jeopardized in the mind of the people and will eventually be lost. When the doctrine crumbles, the edifice of a godly life built on this foundation of doctrine will also topple, e.g., the Christian Church has laid down the doctrine of total depravity over against the Pelagian heresy of innate godness of man. On the basis of such passages as Ephesians 2.1, which says, The natural man is dead in trespasses and sin, and Romans 8.7, which teaches that the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. This cardinal doctrine is the ground of the humility of the Christian life. It is the death blow to all human pride. When the Living Bible translates the former passage so as to omit the word dead, and the latter so as to omit the word can, thus leaving out the truth that man lacks the ability to obey the law, it undermines the doctrine of total depravity, opens the door to Pelagius, and produces proud people. Think once of the essential importance of the Bible of the so-called Jehovah's Witnesses, for that synagogue of Satan and its miserable heresy. Everyone is aware, I suppose, that the Bible with which they come to our door is not our Bible. But their own special creation and is no more the bible of the christian faith than is the book of mormon or the quran the bible of the so-called jehovah's witnesses is a deliberate perversion of the bible masquerading as a virgin to get rid of the bible's teaching of the deity of jesus and the trinity in their bible they have made john 1 1 where the apostle states that the word who became flesh in jesus christ was god read and the word was a god this bible has results It results in another body than the true Church of Christ, a sect, and it results in the everlasting damnation of all those whom it leads astray. They call their Bible, by the way, the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures. It is not without its grim humor that the Watchtower Group pushes its Bible by means of the same come-on used by modern versions. Read the Word of God in modern-day English. Think also of the importance to Rome in its controversy with the Reformed faith of its own peculiar version of Scripture. Rome's version in English has long been the Dewey Bible. Recently, a new Roman Catholic version in English has appeared, the Jerusalem Bible. These versions include the apocryphal books of the Old Testament from which Rome can prove its doctrines of purgatory, prayers for the dead, and meritorious good works, and translate key passages in a way favorable to Rome, e.g., The Jerusalem Bible renders Matthew 1.5 thus, And though he had not had intercourse with her, she gave birth to a son, etc. In this way, protecting Rome's doctrine of Mary's perpetual virginity and undergirding the whole of Rome's Mariolatry. Again, it gives Romans 8.28 as, We know that by turning everything to their good, God cooperates with all those who love Him, thus promoting Rome's fundamental teaching of synergism. So it should be evident to all that what version the church uses is an important matter. In opposing corrupt versions, we are fighting essentially the same battle that our spiritual ancestors fought in the Reformation, the battle for the presence and authority of the Word of God. The only difference is that then the Bible was withheld from the church, whereas now it is buried and destroyed by multitudes of bad versions. What about certain, specific modern versions? We should demonstrate and prove our charges against the modern versions. We cannot refer to all of them. Time and space forbid it. Let us pick several that are popular, widely regarded as the best, and representative of the others. First, there is the Revised Standard Version. It is the Bible of the liberal, i.e. heretical, national council of churches, and reflects the unbelief of the heretical leaders of the group. It weakens the biblical teachings regarding the virgin birth, the deity of Jesus, and the Trinity. In Isaiah 7.14, it has, A young woman shall conceive, for a virgin shall conceive. In Micah 5.2, where the prophet says that the coming Christ has been from everlasting, the RSV has from ancient days. In John 1.14, 18, and John 3.16, where the original Greek called Jesus the only begotten Son, thus teaching that Jesus is the eternal and natural Son of God, the RSV indefensively translates, The only Son. In 1 Timothy 3.16, where the King James Version reads, God was manifest in the flesh, thus clearly teaching that Jesus is God in the flesh, the RSV merely has, he was manifested in the flesh. The New English Bible, or NEB, appeared in 1970. It was produced by the major Protestant churches in Britain. Louise Castles, then religion editor for Associated Press, called it the best of all modern translations. It is an attractive book with a pleasing style. I can remember that when I first saw it, I thought, perhaps this will be the version that faithfully translates scripture into good modern English. I can also remember my disappointment as I began reading the first chapter of Genesis. Already in the second verse of this Bible, the unfaithfulness of this version is evident. Where the King James Version reads, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, the NEB has, and a mighty wind that swept over the face of the surface of the waters. The Holy Spirit is removed from Genesis and from the work of the creation. In Isaiah 7, 14, the NEB has young woman for virgin. It horribly corrupts Isaiah 9, 6, a brilliant revelation of Jesus' deity in the Old Testament. The NEB reads, for a boy has been born for us, and he shall be called in purpose, wonderful, in battle, godlike, father for all time, prince of peace. The Jesus concerning whom the text really says that he is the mighty god the everlasting father now becomes godlike John 1:1 1, 1 is corrupted the NEB reads in this crucial passage and what god was the word was but the original states flatly and god was the word or as our king james version puts it and the word was god the NEB errs noticeably also in the passage that teaches the sovereignty of god in salvation and in damnation Romans 8.28 is made to read, He cooperates for good with those who love God. Acts 13.48 reads, And those who were marked out for eternal life became believers. The King James Version clearly has, and as many were ordained to eternal life, believed. Romans 9.15 is translated, Where I show mercy, I will show mercy. When in fact the apostle wrote, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, referring to particular persons. What about the Living Bible? The Bible that is all the rage today The Bible that is all the rage today is the Living Bible. It is available in many different forms and editions, e.g. Reach Out, The Greatest is Love, The Way, Living Letters, etc. But they are all the same Bible. The Living Bible is Kenneth Taylor's paraphrase of scripture, published by Tyndale House, distributed widely by the World Home Bible League, and on sale everywhere. It is all at once the worst and the most popular of all the modern Bible versions. The living Bible is inherently an attack upon, indeed it makes a mockery of, the doctrine of Scripture's infallible verbal inspiration by the Holy Spirit. It purports to be the Bible. In fact, arrogantly, it claims to be a living Bible in distinction from other versions which presumably are the dead ones. And it is being received and used as the Bible. However, it is a paraphrase, i.e., It gives what the author conceives to be the sense of a passage, and it gives the sense of the passage in the author's words, quite in disregard of the words which the Spirit inspired. It is not faithful to God's word. It replaces God's word with the words of man. If such a Bible is acceptable, infallible, verbal inspiration is a farce. The Living Bible is filled with false doctrine. Genesis 6-2 solemnly tells us that beings from the spirit world looked upon the beautiful earth woman, and took any they desired to be their wives. And verse 4 says that evil beings from the spirit world were sexually involved with human women, introducing the nonsense of Greek mythology into Scripture, a teaching as foolish as it is erroneous. We will bypass other similar errors, for the main evil of the living Bible is that it is an all-out attack on the Reformed faith. It is the Bible of Armenianism, the gospel of man's free will. Anyone interested in a more detailed analysis of the living Bible Than that given in this pamphlet can write the distributors of this pamphlet for the brochure an examination of reach out, and the greatest is love. Acts 13.48 reads, And as many as wanted eternal life, believed. Romans 8.28 reads, And we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into His plans. A rendering which, if correct, would have been enough to have routed the entire Synod of Dort. Romans 9 cannot be recognized. Verse 11, this proves that God was doing what he had decided from the beginning. It was not because of what the children did, but because of what God wanted to choose. I choose to bless Jacob, but not Esau. Verse 13, God's blessings are not given just because someone decides to have them. Verse 16, God told him, Pharaoh, he had given him the kingdom of Egypt for the very purpose of displaying the awesome power of God against him. Verse 17, fit only for destruction. Verse 22, etc. One only needs to compare these verses with the correct translation in the King James Version to see that the Living Bible has gone through the scriptures, replacing the testimony of the sovereignty of grace with the message of the dependency of salvation upon the will of man. This is every bit as serious as the denial of the deity of Christ. In addition, the Living Bible represents and promotes the religious movement that downgrades doctrine, preaching, and the instituted Church of Christ and substitutes feeling, experience, and individualism. As such, it serves as a powerful instrument of the ecumenical movement. Most significant is the introduction by a Roman Catholic priest to The Way, the Roman Catholic edition of the Living Bible. Concerning the Living Bible, which he heartily recommends, the priest states, This present volume departs radically from the history of scriptural translations. Perhaps more than other translations, this translation cannot be used as a basis for doctrinal or traditional disputes. More than other English versions of the Bible, This one freely departs from a literal translation of the original languages. Most readers of the Bible who choose this translation will not be interested in such technical theological considerations. They will be looking for spirit and life from the Word of God. We rejoice in our chance to encourage and help those who approach the Scriptures for this reason. We caution those who wish to engage in theological disputes not to use this volume. A genuine Protestant, much less a Reformed man, needs to hear no more. To this Bible, we are totally and unalterably opposed. If it should prevail among us, the Reformed faith would be destroyed. It may not be the Bible that we use at home, in school, in our personal study, or in any aspect of the life of the Church. Our young people must be aware that it is another arm of the power of the lie that we fight as Reformed saints. It is a wicked effort to destroy God's Word, as wicked as Jehoiakim's burning of the scriptures that he disliked or Thomas Jefferson's whittling down the Bible to the Sermon on the Mount. That Reformed people and Reformed institutions can smile on it only shows how little knowledge of and love of the Reformed faith there is today. Can we still use the King James Version? If the modern versions are unsatisfactory, what then? We can and should continue to use the King James Version. It is faithful, completely faithful, to the infallibly inspired, sacred scriptures. No one has ever accused it of unfaithfulness. Even those passages that are not found in the better manuscripts, e.g., 1 John 5, 7, are not contrary to sound doctrine, but are in harmony with the teaching of Scripture in other uncontested passages. The King James Version is the Word of God. When you have it before you, you have the uncorrupted Word. You can trust it, rely on it, and safely let it continue to work its work on the church, on your home and family, on your Christian school, and on your personal Christian life. It is faithful. And this is the main criterion of a Bible version. The King James Version is also clear. There are odd words now and then, words unfamiliar to 20th century Americans, but on the whole, it is clear. It is clear in Genesis 1 regarding creation. It is clear in Genesis 3 regarding the fall. It is clear in the Gospels regarding salvation in Jesus. It is clear in the historical books. It is clear everywhere. I deny the common charge that the King James Version is impenetrably murky, especially for children. I did not find it so for myself as a child and a youth. I do not find it so for my own family of small children. I do not find it so for the many children and young people in the congregation. Rather, I find that a child can understand the King James Version. Concerning the excellent style of the King James Version, any praise from me would be superfluous. Its beauty is well known. It has molded our thinking, our writing, and our speaking. It has the dignity and solemnity that befits the word of God. Besides, it uses the words of the church of the past, the language of the creeds, so that the person who learns the King James Version also becomes familiar with the terms of the church history and church doctrine, justification, sanctification, regeneration, predestination, and the like. The new versions are dropping these words, and we may expect that we will shortly hear that the old creeds must be scrapped or revised, because no one understands their testimony anymore, because no one understands their terminology anymore. We need feel no compulsion to change the Bible just because change is the order of the day. We are the church, the only solid reality in all the changing, fickle world, and are solid because we are builded upon the imperishable, unchanging Word of God. In the world, there is a craze for new things. Everything old is despised. Every few years, a new car with a radically different design. New stereo equipment regularly. A new style of clothing, whether the old is worn out or not. Even a new wife or husband periodically. This creeps into the church too. Every other year a new gospel. Now Barthianism. Then the death of God message. And who knows what after that. Pop-top throwaway creeds to reflect every passing religious fad. And now, Throw away Bibles. Today, the Living Bible, and perhaps any other version next year. This confuses the people of God. One evidence of this confusion is the weakness of the present generation of young people as concerns memorization of the Bible with all the different versions. They memorize none of them. We should stick to the King James Version, but we must use it, really and diligently use it. The problem today, whether for young or old, is not that the King James Version is dark and hard to understand, but that we are not faithful to read and study it, and that parents and churches are unfaithful in teaching it. The appalling ignorance of the Word in our age is not an intellectual problem, but a spiritual one. There is demand that everything come easily. People want an easy chair, push-button life. Also, as regards the knowledge of the Word and things spiritual, the children in catechism, used to the lazy, sit-back-and-relax instruction of television, Have the attitude, now, entertain us and get through to us if you can. Grown-ups desire instant, painless attainment of Christian maturity and even perfection by turning the switch of the baptism of the Spirit in Pentecostalism. The same thing holds true with regard to the knowledge of Scripture. It must be made easy. So we get Bibles with racy covers, striking pictures and comments on all kinds of current events scattered throughout and a watered-down content. But growth in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ is not easy. Scripture is clear, but it is not easy. God gives us knowledge of the Word through hard study, memorization, work. This is true for pastors, adults, and children. Let the churches preach and teach the Word. Let the parents read and explain it to their children at home. Let the Christian school teachers teach it at school. And let every child of God study it daily on his own. Then... There will be knowledge of the Scriptures among us, as there was in former times. Other pamphlets available and soon to be recorded are as titled below. Pentecostalism in the Light of the Word by Professor Robert Decker God is Our Refuge and Strength, a booklet of meditations by the late Rev. Herman hoxema The Church Today and the Reformed Church, a comparison by Rev. David J. Englesma. God's Great Love Toward the World by Professor Homer Hosenkma Shall There Be Reformation No More by Reverend David Inglesma. Saved by Grace by Professor Robert Decker. And The Christian Social Calling and the Second Coming of Christ by Professor Herman Henko.